You're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the Kulin Nation and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. We're bringing you environmental and social justice stories. I'm Corey Green. Wind farms are a great source of renewable energy. However, some people claim that the noise of them causes illness. We look into these claims, talking to Simon Chapman, Professor of Public Health at the Sydney University, and Doug Hobson, a wind farmer. We also look into why people might be against wind farms. To start off with, I've got Lee Eubank from Friends of the Earth's Yes to Renewables campaign to talk about wind farms as a source of renewable energy. Welcome. G'day. Can you um, please tell us about your work around wind farms? Yeah, sure. So the Yes to Renewables campaign, um, this is a Friends of the Earth project. It really got started in 2010 um, in response to, you know, this... um, emerging anti-wind farm lobby and also the state government's anti-wind farm laws that were imposed by Ted Bailey. Um And ever since, ever since then, we've been, you know, going head-to-head with the anti-wind farm campaign, um, trying to, to protect communities from what is a quite a serious scare campaign. Mm. Um, you know, there's no, no science that really does support the assertions of this anti-wind farm lobby, yet they still managed to to startle a lot of community members. Mm. Well, can we just start off talking about just wind farms in general? Yep. How viable are wind farms for meeting Australia's electricity needs? Yeah, uh, totally viable. Um, the government's own modelling, so modelling done by the Australian energy market operator, um, that showed that by 2030, Australia could be 100% powered by renewable energy. And wind energy would be a significant proportion of that. And also government modelling by BREE, the Bureau of Resource and Energy Economics, they show that wind turbines today are the cheapest electricity generation resource that we have available. Cheaper than coal? Cheaper than coal, new build. Hypothetically, if you wanted to just have wind farms um, to make baseload, you'd need to have new battery technology. Do you know where that technology is at? Well, it's really interesting. Just over the last few weeks, we've seen this um, groundbreaking announcement by the um, electric car company Tesla. Now, Tesla, you know, they've they've managed to drive down the costs of electric vehicles, and they're the first electric car company that's really managed to um, to get a foothold in the auto market. We're seeing them now revolutionise home battery technology. So. Um, I think over the next 12 months, we'll start to see the, the first generation of these, these batteries that can effectively, you know, store the solar power that you're generating on your roof, um, store enough electricity to sustain you. So, you know, you'd essentially be off grid. So there is um, obviously the potential to scale up that technology for larger generation. Um, but also another thing that we need to consider is that, you know, this is an energy system and, you know, if the wind is blowing and there isn't enough demand in the electricity market at that moment, we can, also, we can always do things like pump hydro um, up to the top of the dam and, you know, therefore store the energy. Uh, one of the interesting things about renewables is that um, they're a decentralised form of electricity generation as opposed mm. to centralised. How do you think that would affect Australia's um, political landscape? Yeah, I think it would, it would have a positive impact. I mean, if you're looking at 
wind turbines and solar, um, you know, it is it is decentralized, which means that it disperses the jobs and it disperses the investment. Um, you know, down in in southwest Victoria alone, um, you know, the wind energy sector has created six hundred and eighty odd construction jobs. There are about seventy two. Um, ongoing operations and maintenance jobs. So they're jobs that are going to be in those communities for 30 years. That's how long these wind farms operate. You know, so that does, you know, allow regional communities to have, you know, uh, you know a slice of the, the economic, you know, benefits that, that, that are generated. Um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously there are political um, aspects to that as well. Can you explain wind turbine syndrome? Well, wind turbine syndrome. Um, there's no, there's no um, recorded diagnosis of wind turbine syndrome in this country. It's actually um, somewhat of a fictional uh, ailment. Um, there are over, you know, 250 symptoms of the alleged wind turbine syndrome, and and those symptoms have been collated by the professor of public health. Um, Simon Chapman, who mm-hmm. has done a lot of excellent work um, in tobacco control. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to be a grab bag of everything from weight loss to weight gain, um, headaches, herpes. Um, and, you know, that having such a wide array of symptoms, um, it, it pretty much allows anyone to claim that they're suffering wind turbine syndrome. Mm-hmm. And what's really puzzling about it, and actually what's really troubling about it, is that if people are actually experiencing um, serious medical conditions or you know um, chronic medical conditions, if they're being led to believe that it's from the wind turbines, that might actually prevent them from seeking the help they need to, to address those concerns. <laughs> Sorry about this. Farmers Carl and Samantha Stepnell gave emotional evidence before the Senate inquiry into wind farms in Ballarat this week. I uh, started with the headaches and the tingling in the head um, and then eventually the sleepless waking up at 2 or 3 in the morning and not being able to go back to sleep uh, and then eventually heart palpitations um, which, which were a, a massive concern. But just the pressure of my ears and my head and the nausea and just the whole thing, the sleepless nights, it just it's completely destroyed what we had on our farm. Um, it's turned our whole life upside down. The hardest decision we've ever made was to walk away from our family home um, and take our youngest son, Josh, out of Bourbon Primary School to, and to leave his friends. The National Health and Medical Research Council has done an investigation into wind farms. Their report states that there is no direct evidence that exposure to wind farm noise affects physical or mental health. While exposure to environmental noise is associated with health effects, these effects occur at much higher levels of noise than are likely to be perceived by people living in close proximity to wind farms in Australia. The parallel evidence assessed suggests that there are unlikely to be any significant effects on physical or mental health at distances greater than 1,500 metres from wind farms. This is Green Senator Dean Natale questioning the National Health and Medical Research Council. And the outcome of the 2009 review, there was a statement that the NHMRC, I think, put out, might have been a year later or so. Correct. The, um, can you just uh, 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 repeat that statement for me? No, it's too long, Senator. Okay. It runs to a summa- several pages. A summary of the statement. <laughs> well, I think, um, to paraphrase yes. it, is that at that stage there was not um, evidence that would lead a scientific process to conclude 
there were um, health ill effects of, uh, uh, of wind farms on the basis of the evidence, the peer review evidence at that, at that stage. However, we, we did point out that if people were suffering symptoms, they should see their GP because this is a way you build up some, uh, some story. If they were suffering symptoms, they felt were due to uh, wind farms. And we also um, made the point that uh, planning authorities should take a precautionary approach and uh, make sure that, uh, as we always do in medicine, I shouldn't be telling you this, uh, that um, you know, we should err on the side of caution. And so we also added that to our statement. What do you think of implementing the National Health and Medical Research Council's recommendation that wind farms are only placed more than 1,500 metres from people's homes? Um, what I think is important is that people that support wind turbines are allowed to, to have them. Um, and, you know, I can think of, of dozens of wind farmers across the state that live even 800 metres from wind turbines without any complaint. Um, they like the look of them. They're, they're benefiting economically from that. So I think that if, if there are to be, um, you know, guidelines for where turbines are situated it should be based on science it should be based on acoustic modeling um, and and sound standards rather than some sort of arbitrary figure such as the the 1500 meters that the nhmrc have have um, you know pulled out of what seems to be thin air simon chapman professor of public health at sydney university has investigated wind turbine syndrome can you please introduce yourself uh, yes, Professor Simon Chapman from the University of Sydney. And what is it that you're a professor in? Um, professor of Public Health. And um, can you please explain to the audience your findings regarding wind turbine syndrome? Well, um, this so-called disease, wind turbine syndrome, which incidentally is not recognised by any medical authority anywhere around the world, and as far as I'm aware, not a single individual has ever been diagnosed in Australia or elsewhere with wind turbine syndrome, is nonetheless something which persists um, in the imaginations of um, wind turbine opponents and uh, I did a, a piece of research a few years ago where I looked at the history of uh, complaints about wind farms, you know, noise complaints, health complaints. And what I found was around Australia's 51 wind farms at the time, um, there were a majority of those farms, including none in the whole of Western Australia or in the whole of Tasmania, had ever had a single um, complaint, health or noise complaint. So that immediately got me thinking, well, why uh, wind turbines, most of them, wind farms around the country, um, not attracting any health or noise complaints, whereas some, a minority of them, uh, are attracting most of those complaints. And what seemed to me the obvious answer was that um, the ones which were attracting complaints were the ones where um, outside anti-wind turbine groups had come into the area and were frightening the local residents about the wind turbines and making them um, anxious. And when you get anxious, a lot of people start feeling, you know, sick and worried and they get headaches and can't sleep and a variety of symptoms that they might already have but start interpreting as being something which is being caused by exposure to wind turbines. What do you make of the Victorian government legislation around wind farms? 
Well, I think um, what was going on in the previous Liberal government was really uh, very um, uh, unacceptable. I mean, the idea that um, you couldn't put a wind, uh, you couldn't put a wind turbine within two kilometres of a house when you could, um, you know, there was really no uh, rational justification for that. There is nothing about the the distance of two kilometres. Um, which says, uh, which has any factual basis, any any basis for saying that you know two kilometres compared to say one kilometre or three kilometres or two point five, it was completely arbitrary figure. So um, fortunately, I think that that is now finished, and um, I would look forward to seeing the expansion of um, uh, wind energy in Victoria, um, as has happened in, uh, of course, uh, states like South Australia and many countries in Europe. Thank you very much. No worries. Among other things, Professor Chapman found in his study that even though wind farms have been operating in Australia since 1987, 90% of people made their first complaint after 2009 when anti-wind farm groups started including health issues in their wider concerns. Professor Chapman found the following factors increased complaints. Pre-existing negative attitudes to wind farms, including views about their impact on landscape aesthetics, being able to see wind turbines, Subjective sensitivity to noise, having negatively oriented personality traits. He found that profiting from wind farms protected people from the health effects. I talked to Doug Hobson, who is a farmer in Warbra, an area very much noted for citizens' concerns about the health effects of wind farms, spearheaded by the Warbra Foundation. Can you please introduce yourself? Uh, my name's Doug Hobson. I'm a farmer at uh, Burren Beach. And what's your involvement with wind farms? Uh, my involvement with wind farms is that we actually we farm in the uh, Burren Beat and Addington Warbury area and uh, we have got wind towers on our uh, property and uh, most of the adjoining ones have wind towers on them as well. And how do you find working around them? Uh, look, working around is fine. Uh, basically, uh, when, it, when they first went up there, you sort of drive around and you notice them a fair bit but now they're just part of the part of the landscape and uh, yeah look we work around them on a daily basis i've got a family of uh, five children and a wife which uh, live live close to them and uh, no we don't have any problems with them at all and what do you make of wind turbine syndrome uh look wind turbine syndrome as i said look i've raised a family living near them and we don't have any effects from them um all the other landowners that have got wind towers are fine with them and I don't see any correlation in my thoughts to wind tower syndrome. Uh, look, there's a lot of other pressures out there in farming, which is we're an ageing population and we do have stresses, whether it be uh, monetary or weather-wise, on our business. Mm. And I think a lot of those things can contribute to uh, a, lot of, a lot of health issues as well. They can. So what do you think of the Victorian government legislation surrounding wind farms? Uh, look, the Victorian government, I think, uh, has got their own views on what what amount of renewable energy should be out there. Um, it's one of those ones at the moment. With uh, energy, you, you, you must try and create power as cheaply and as clean as you can, and I can't see that burning coal for the rest of your life is going to be viable even though it might be cheaper, but for uh, the uh, environment, 
and I think your uh, your wind generation is probably as clean as green as you what are you going to get it at the moment. So, but they've got their own views on what direction they should be headed in. Um, so yeah, look, I think wind generation is probably just an added an added piece we can put into it. it. It doesn't give you a base load, but it does give you a fair amount of power at certain times. And do you have any um, financial involvement in wind towers? Uh, yeah, look, our family's got uh, eight wind towers in the Warbury area, so we do get a financial gain from wind towers. Uh, the company we work with, Axiona, is a very good company to work with, and uh, the roads and everything else they put in probably value adds to our farm as far as us do, being able to do our farming operations with getting machinery in and out at certain times of the year. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, look, as I said, in our area, we look, we found since the wind towers have been there since 2009, uh, we don't have any problems ourselves with health-wise as some other people uh, seem, to, seem to think they have. And, uh, yeah, look, it's just part of our farming operation. It uh, allows us still to do our normal farming duties with just adding a little bit of extra income to our uh, farming budget, which allows us to do a lot more stuff on our farm as far as uh, putting infrastructure in other stuff to try and still be, remain viable as a farming, farming uh, family. Well, thanks very much for appearing on the show. No, that's fine. Look, thank you, and uh, you enjoy your day once you get out. That was Doug Hobson, Warborough Wind Farmer. You're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the Cooler Nation and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. We're bringing you environmental and social justice stories. I'm Corey Green. Today we're talking about wind farms. We've discussed their potential as a source of renewable energy, and we've discussed wind turbine syndrome. Now I'm going to look at why some people might be against wind farms. The Liberal member for Hume, Angus Taylor, is an outspoken critic. He thinks that the money could be spent better elsewhere. This is not about reducing carbon emissions. This is about subsidies to an industry. So let me take you through... Let me take you through some of the details of those subsidies. Alan's already stolen some of my thunder on these. Each wind turbine that's being built today is expecting half a million dollars or more of subsidies every year for its life. Half a million dollars a year. That's more than 50% of its revenues is coming from a federal government subsidy. Across the electorate of Hume, by 2020, that will amount to half a billion to a billion dollars a year of subsidies going into the electorate. Over and above, as I say, over and above the cost of reducing carbon emissions by other means. So who's paying for this? Well, the answer is, as it always is, you and I. We're paying for it. And we're paying for it in our electricity bills. There is a sort of a genius to this scheme where for the first few years, you don't really notice it. But by 2020, the impost on Australian electricity bills will amount to about $3 billion a year that we're all paying. And it'll be like the proverbial bald frog. No one will notice because slowly the water's getting warmer and warmer. $3 billion a year by 2020. As I say, over and above the cost of reducing carbon emissions by, by, by other means. Angus Taylor is the director of a management company, Port Jackson Partners, who, and I quote, helped one of Australia's leading coal producers devise the actions needed to ensure its ongoing global competitiveness over the next decade. Next, we have economics expert and neoliberal Alan Moran, 
who also thinks it's a big waste of money. And these measures can have no effect, no effect whatsoever, in terms of their target, that is, the global emissions. Firstly, because Australia is a mere 1.4% of, of the total. And secondly, whenever we put these taxes on, what happens is that the, the major payers of these taxes, the firms uh, and industries, will just move overseas. And they'll produce the same goods overseas, probably, probably using more carbon dioxide. He doesn't believe there's a connection between carbon dioxide emissions and global warming. In July 2014, he wrote, Though politicised economists embellish the issue, the effects of a doubling of atmospheric carbon dioxide levels are trivial. One of the leading opponents of wind energy, the Warbra Foundation, was found by Crikey magazine to be largely funded by Peter Mitchell, a mining investor with coal seam gas and uranium interests. We end with Lee Eubank from Friends of the Earth's Yes to Renewables campaign. Lee Eubank stated that he had no economic interest in wind farms. You're quoted as saying that wind farms have had 13 reviews by governments or government agencies since 2010. Is that just in Australia? Yeah, that's just in Australia. So we've had, you know, over the last few years, two reviews um, into the renewable energy target and wind energy, the economics of that were included. Um, and even, you know, the Victorian Department of Health have done their own research. So it's a thoroughly researched um, technology. Um, I mean, the fact that we're approaching the 14th review of wind energy technology, yet I can't think of um, many coal or, or coal seam gas reviews that have occurred in that time. Um, it, is, it is quite unusual. Unfortunately, Senator John Madigan leader of the latest Senate inquiry into wind turbines, was unavailable for comment. Why do you think people would be against wind farms? Uh, generally, there's a few things. Um, you know, some people just don't like the look. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Not everyone has to, to like the look of them. I mean, I don't like the look of, of coal mines and coal power plants. Um, but the issue is that, you know, we need to, we need to put aside um, our aesthetic um, preferences and think what's what's for the what's in the common interest of the community, what's in the common interest of the state and the country and the globe, and you know when you're looking at wind turbines, um, wind wind turbine towers, you know when I see them on the horizon, I think wow this is this is progress, this is new technology, um, this is less pollution, um, it's less health impacts on communities in Morwell, the Latrobe Valley in Anglesey. Um, and it's, yeah, it's helping us tackle climate change, which is the, the biggest issue that we're facing today. Why hasn't there been the same concerns over solar? Well, solar, it's a, it's a smaller um, decentralised technology that's often on people's rooftops. Um, but there have been a few instances where um, larger um, solar arrays have been opposed by communities due to this, you know, the siting um, and the behaviour of the developers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, solar is largely immune to that, um, but we have seen a few pro- problems um, popping up. Um, thanks for appearing on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, yeah, look, Yes to Renewables, we're, we're the most um, energised renewable energy campaign in Victoria. Um, if people are keen to find out more information, um, please check out our website, www.yes2renewables.org. And that's the digit two. You're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on the Kulin Nation and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. And if you missed some of today's show, 
Don't forget that our podcast can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. Earthmatters would like to thank the good folk at the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support and the dedicated people at the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this program out to you, our listeners. Earthmatters was produced in the studios at 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the Kulin Nation. Our contact phone is 03-9419-8377 and our email is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. We're going to go out with something special this week. Would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, I'm Leo. Um, I was going to do a poem for you tonight. So I kind of I started poetry last year. I lived in Cambodia for a year and I was kind of living by the skin of my teeth a little bit. And there was a time where I couldn't really afford to eat. So I, um, I started writing poetry and going and performing at bars for food and beer. I was singing for my supper. It was actually, it felt like back to basics or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of out of necessity, but it worked out for me in the end. Okay, so what inspired you to write this poem? I actually wrote it when I was like 20, back in my goth days. And I was um, just sitting by the side of the road waiting for a bus in Brisbane in the city, very hungover. And I was just looking at this flower growing beside a rubbish bin. Uh, All right, let's go. I think the city looked on sadly as the flower stretched its petals, yawned and shook and showed its freckles. Down beside the dusty bin, such bin we'll see as many do it, couldn't hold its filling stood as tall as it could stand and tried to keep from spewing, while the flower down beside it smiled its way through photosynthesizing, nothing much doing but loving such a simple act of living. Someone said it seemed to say, hey, look at me defying, you, you city, straight back solid, stretching for the ceiling, struggling with a feeling that you've got to keep improving, keep on proving that your mighty self's impressive and unmoving, but I think it just enjoyed the sunshine peeking down that morning. Nothing much doing but loving such a simple act of living. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Thanks, God. Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia, on the Kulin Nation. Radiothon is coming up, and Earth Matters will need your dollars to keep broadcasting. For more information and to find out how you can support 3CR, go to www.3cr.org.au. Thank you.